Go ahead and grab a seat. Welcome. You know, sin has no hold on me because grace holds that ground. And, and it begs a question of you. It, it really does. What are you going to do with your life now? If grace holds the ground that is your heart, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to yield it to the Holy Spirit? Are you going to yield it to God? Are you going to yield it to the kingdom? Or are you going to hold on to it and just continue to beg and ask God to do the things that you need him to do? At the end of the day, we're saying, Lord, look at where you brought me. I'm standing right here. You have taken me out of my sin, not so that I can run back to it, but so that I can leave it behind me and stand in victory. If I'm going to stand in victory, what am I going to do with my life now? What am I going to do with my life now? And I think, I think there's a place where we need to begin to, to, to ask ourselves, Lord, what now? What happens now? You know, this morning we were talking about Jesus at the, at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. And we were talking about the idea of the empty vessels. And we were talking about the idea of, of the servants. But at some point, God is asking you to dip that out. Dip that water out. I want to kind of continue that thought, but I want to go in a different direction. And I want you to find a place in it. We're still going through the book of John. That's what we're doing. This, this series that we're doing, are we going the right way? We're, we're doing this in the book of John. And we're chasing through it. Because John the Baptist, not John the disciple, but John the Baptist, asked Jesus one time, are you the Messiah? Are you the one? Or should we be looking for somebody else? After he had told everybody down at the river that he was the one. But he was getting ready to die. And he just needed to make sure that he got it right. And we need to be humble enough to recognize that there are times that we are chasing after Jesus and we are doing it and getting it wrong. And we need to recalculate. And we do that by opening up the word of God and asking ourselves, what does the Bible say about what the Bible says? And so I want to read some scripture for you from the book of John chapter 6 is where I am um, this evening for our pulse service. When Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy food, a bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him because he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one to have one bite. The average dual income household in Madison County has a forty-three dollars or $45,000 income, two incomes. That means the average person in Madison County is making $22,550. And listen, if I got my math wrong, correct me later, okay? <laughs> it happens. So half of that is $11,000. So today, today, Philip would say, Lord, it'll take $11,000 in Madison County to give everybody just one bite. What are we going to do? But Jesus already knew what he wanted to ask. I want to bump over to the book of Matthew. Same story, different account. Matthew, also a disciple of Jesus, was sitting at the tax collector's uh, table collecting money. When Jesus walked by, he was the head tax collector guy. The other little sub, uh, uh, tax collectors were subcontractors to him. Okay, Matthew made his money collecting tax from Jewish people. He was a Jewish man, but from Jewish people and giving it to the Romans. And the more he could collect above and beyond what the Romans, he had bid to the Romans, that he got to keep. And so there he was with all of his money sitting, it says, sitting at the tax collector's table. And Jesus walked by and said, come, follow me. And the scripture says straightway he got up and followed him. Got up and followed, left the money. Left the money and followed him. Didn't matter what it cost to follow Jesus. Matthew was all in. And so I'm jumping over to Matthew. So this is the reason why. 
We're studying it this way because Matthew and John, both of them did not study to, to assemble a, a great account of Jesus' life. No, they walked with him. And they said, this is what happened. We were there. So when you look at that and you say, oh, this is only a story, you bet it is. But it's a legal document of a story that will hold up in a court of law because it's a first person witness to that very thing that happened. John was there. Matthew was there when this took place. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves from food. And Jesus replied, they don't, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. You do it. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. That I believe that you walked in here and got blindsided by God who is looking at you and saying, you know what, it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to do it. You do the thing. John 6, dropping back to that, says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Really? Here it is, Lord. But... Jesus said, have the people sit down. The place was, uh, there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. If I've never done this with you, if your pastor's never done it with you, do the math. 5,000 men. If only half of them are married, that's another 2,500. We're up to 7,500 people. If half of those people had one child, that's another 1,250 people. Please, Lord, let me be getting the math right. We're pushing 10,000 people really hard, really fast. It was 5,000 men, according to the Bible, and according to what the Bible says about what the Bible says. 5,000 men, besides women and children, okay? 5,000 men. They were there. And so it's, the Scripture goes on to say, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And that's a Deuteronomy 18, I think around, around verse 10, where Moses stood up and said, the Lord is going to bring you a prophet like unto me. When that time comes, you need to listen to him. And that's why people were saying to, to John the Baptist, are you the prophet? Are you Elijah? And then they said to Jesus, tell us the truth. Are you the Messiah? Are you the prophet? And these people were saying, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, force uh, withdrew again um, to a mountain by himself. And this is the story um, that, that is laying before us right now tonight. It's a story of a situation, a problem, a circumstance, whatever you want to call it. Jesus looks out and he sees these people and he wants to spend some time teaching them. Um, in the Matthew account, um, he's heard that his um, um, cousin relationship, whatever you want to call it, with John the Baptist, John got his head cut off in prison and Jesus wanted to go and be in a solitary place by himself. So in Matthew 14, he says, come follow me. And they went up the mountain and as they were headed over there to, to the sea um, at the base of the mountain, the people kept following him and he said, you know what? We need to talk to the people. We need to feed them. We need to take care of them. We need to do these things. And so he did. And that's us. We've come to the bottom of the mountain and we've said, Lord, we just want to be with you. We want to be in your presence. And we're here. 
And so each of these other accounts has the statement, you give them something to eat. And that's what I want to I wanna look at. Now, I don't know what you picture. If you picture a loaf of bread, if you picture, you know, like all enriched white, you know, bread with, you know, brown crusts on it. If you're like a whole wheat sort of person, I don't know if you look up here and you're saying, you know, I think it was rye bread or pumpernickel because I'm really partial to pumpernickel. And so if it could just be pumpernickel, I think I'd like the story a little more. Okay, but this is what it looked like. Okay, this is a, a fish from the Sea of Galilee. And those are two barley loaves. And so the barley loaves would be about this big. And there was a boy that had five of them. They're super extra large um, Starbucks blueberry muffins. Okay. They're about that big and they were barley loaves. So they weren't good. They're nasty. They're dry. They're like what your grandpa says, man, I need, give me a brand muffin. You know, okay. It's like that. It's like, really grandpa, can't we have the blueberry muffin instead? And he's like, no, I, I, okay. There's the, there's the barley loaf. And his kid had five of those and two fish. There's 5,000 men besides women and children. Jesus walks up to his disciples and he says, listen, we need to give these people something to eat because the disciples are saying, look, you need to send these people away. And Jesus says, no, we need to meet their need. And he says, Lord, it's going to take half a year's wages to give them each a bite. And he says, have everybody sit down on the ground. And they sat down on the ground. And they started taking those five loaves. And they started taking those two little fish. And they started breaking it off. And, and, and I know I've said this before. And I don't know what, what point it happens. And I wish I could see it. And I need to watch the, you know, the rewind. I'll probably do the slow-mo up in heaven and say, where, where, where. But at some point, the fish grew back. Do the math. I'm not making this up. It's a, those two fish had to feed 5,000 people. Now, people that, that um, are lame... And I'm just going to say it that way. People that are lame will say, well, I'll tell you what happened. What happened was the little boy offered up his, you know, his, um, you know, lunch there. And so people said, you know, they felt guilty. So they said, okay. And they pulled their shirt up and they pulled out their lunch. And they said, well, maybe I got some food. And pretty soon there was enough food for everybody. No, that is not what happened. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say somebody else gave anything else. <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus took those five barley loaves and those two fish and started breaking them, handed them to his disciples and said, hand this out. Kept breaking it and giving it to his disciples, breaking it and giving it to his disciples and said, go hand this out to all these people. Now, just, just walk with me. Let's, just, let's be super conservative and say there's 8,000 people sitting around at Jesus' feet in groups of 50 and hundreds or tens and fifties or whatever it ended up actually being. And they're all hungry and, and all of a sudden they start getting food. <clears throat> and they're getting food. And the food keeps multiplying itself as it hand, is, is handed out. I want to see how it happened. But I can't explain it. It was miraculous. And Jesus fed all of these people because some kid was willing to share what he had. You know what the kid's name was? The kid's name is totally unknown to anybody right now except God. Because he didn't offer it up for credit. One of the disciples said, here's a young man with five barley loaves and two fish, and that's what it looks like. Now, I was thinking about this, and clearly Jesus, if he wanted everybody to see that he was son of God, could have rained down manna, just like God did for the, the children of Israel in the wilderness. Just rain down some manna, have the wind blow in some quail, a bunch of people start some fires with some sticks and stuff, and we're having a barbecue. And if you don't think they would have stood up and took notice that he was the son of God, if he provided a free barbecue, you haven't been south of the river long enough. They would have believed. They would have believed. Okay? But Jesus didn't do it miraculously. And this is the part I don't understand, even as a pastor coming up on 29 years. He decided to use people to do it. 
That just doesn't strike me as the most efficient way to get the message out, to see people get saved, to get the gospel to them. It, it doesn't, it's not efficient at all. But it says something about the relationship that God wants to have with you and me. He wants you a part of his kingdom. You were created to be in a close personal relationship with God. Adam and Eve screwed it up. And we would have too. Come on, we know that. But they did. But we were still created. God has still set eternity in the hearts of men, the scripture says. And so that's what's going on. And these are the things that I want to share with you as we just come to a time of prayer and hearing from the Lord. The miraculous that you and I are hungry for is born in the everyday. God still does miracles. You can sit here and argue with me all day long. I'm happy to buy the coffee. You can come into my office and we can sit down. But I'm telling you, the miraculous still happens every single day. It's just whether or not we're going to be open to it and embrace it. Well, I don't think. There's the problem. Okay? We don't always think. We don't have to finish that sentence. We are going to tell God who he is and what he does, really. We can't even fathom him. And you're going to tell me God wouldn't do that. God will do that. Wow, how, what kind of megalomaniac must I be to think that I can tell God what he would and wouldn't do if he's going to be God? Listen to me. The miraculous is born in the everyday. Look around. God is looking for everyday people. God is looking to use people that are hungry to press in to the kingdom of God on this earth. Just as that young boy was willing to share his lunch, God is at the place of saying, listen, we can do great revivals. Are you going to share your testimony? We can do great revivals in Madison County. Are you willing to repent out loud to somebody that you offended? God's, God says, we can do a great revival. Are you ready to get up and confess sin? Are you ready to lay it down at the foot of the cross in front of the gathered people and say, you know what, today I'm laying it all down. Are you ready to do that? Because more often than not, we want to be fed, but we don't want to give up what we've got. God didn't save us from sin so that we could run back into it. He saved us from sin so that we could testify to it to other people that are stuck in the sin. And so it's up to us. You know, I listen to so many Christian people that are doing everything they can to not sin this way, not sin this way, not sin this way, and not sin this way. But the problem is, not very many of them are saying, how can I do what God told me to do? They're saying, how can I not do what God told me to not do? You know what? If we would spend our, the, the days and the hours and the minutes and the seconds of our lives doing what God told us to do, we might find ourselves a little too busy to be bound up in the sin that we're supposed to be staying away from. And guess what? People, our friends, our loved ones, might get saved because you shared your five loaves and your two fish instead of hiding it so that you could keep it away from the crowd. You presented it and said, I will let it go. You're the answer. You. You think you're nothing, you don't have enough to share, you're not financially astute enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you don't own enough. You, you think you don't have anything to offer. And I'm telling you right now, you are the answer to somebody else's prayer if you will hold your life loosely.
and trust that God would put it back into your bank account, back into your garage, back into your house, back into wherever you take it out of and give it away. And, and, and listen, so many times we approach God and we say, but God, I'm the person in need. You're not. You just think you're the chicken, not the red-tailed hawk, if you were here this morning. You got to understand you're the hawk. You have everything to offer. You can fly. But you've got to stop looking up the ladder that what you don't have and start looking down the ladder at who you can help up. Even if it's just a little bit, you let God multiply it and it will be the miraculous that was born in the everyday. I say everyday because they went out to see Jesus and got hungry and we do that every day. Every day at about 1230, I can see it in your eyes. You're hungry. And you're probably thinking, he's not multiplying any bread and fish up there. We're going to have to pay for it when we leave. We'll have to go to the cafe. At least you can go to the cafe. What are you doing for the person that can't? Because the kingdom of God is moving forward on your willingness. Because God isn't waiting for you to be good enough. He's not waiting for you to be rich enough. He's not waiting for you to be smart enough. But I do believe that all of the things that you're hungry for from God, you may not be receiving because God is waiting for you to be willing enough. You think God doesn't say, go have tea with those girls? You think God doesn't say, take those men out to lunch and talk to them about what it means to be a godly man? I believe he does. You believe that God doesn't say, give up everything you have, sell it all, give to the poor and come and follow me? I believe that still happens today. I do. This church was built because my wife and I got down on our knees and heard God say, plant the vineyard. And a year into it, the Lord said, I want you to give all of your 401k up to make this thing happen. And we were like, what? Yeah. Either you're all in or you're not in at all. In all reality. And God is calling every one of us to give our five loaves and our two fish. I'm not talking about your money, but I'm talking about your money too. I'm saying you are the answer to somebody else's hunger, spiritual hunger. And God, for whatever reason, is waiting for you to take that step forward so that he can lay his blessing on you as you give it away. God doesn't give us blessings so we can have all the blessings. We're not health, wealth, and prosperity. But God said he's going to give us a Parisos life. I'm going to give you life and you're going to have it to its fullest in John 10.10. You can't get away from that word Parisos. Don't take my word for it. Look it up yourself. It means vehemently, abundantly more than those around you. That's honestly what it means. But we're conduits, not cul-de-sacs. It goes through us into other people's lives so that God can pour it back in again so that we can give it away, so we can pour it back in again, so we can give it away. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to be one of those people that accepts Jesus and sits down in the pew and then says, what do you got to offer me? You're, you're going to dry up on the vine and die. But if you will surrender to Jesus and say, Lord, I've got five loaves and two fish. It's all I got. What can you do with it? And God will say, watch me do this. Watch me do this. And you'll pick up 12 basketfuls. 12 basketful. Seven when he fed the 4,000 plus women and children. Seven basketfuls. We serve 
a very, very, very gracious and generous God, but not so that we can consume it upon ourselves, so that we can give it to others who are in need. And every one of us can do something. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. We've baptized people. I always have to make an assumption before we go any further that there's somebody in this room that's never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I'm just here to tell you, if you'd, do, if you'd like to do that right now, I'd like to do it with you. If there's somebody in here that does not know Jesus, the generous God, the God that wants to do, touch, and be in your life, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I would like to walk you through that. If you're in here right now, do you want to get up and come up here? Just do it. If there's somebody in here, I, I, I'm just, I'm not going to squeeze it out. I just believe that when you preach, you better believe that there's somebody in the room that's not saved. Sooner or later, you'll come to the place where it's time to surrender your life and make a decision. What are you going to do? All right. Beyond that, I don't know what you're facing, but I know the Lord said that tonight when we were getting together, I came up here way early uh, at the church and just sat in my office and prayed. The Lord said, we need to spend some time doing ministry. And so I'm just going to come before you right now. I'm just going to say, can I have my prayer team come up here? I'm getting you out of your comfort zone. I didn't warn you. I gave you a little heads up. And by the way, if you feel like the Lord is saying something right now, can you tell me, please? Can you just let me know? Because <clears throat> if the Holy Spirit's doing something, I want to stay out of his way. All right. We're at that place where we've lifted up our hearts high in surrender and we need you now, God. And I'm just here to say, what is it that you need? We just want to spend some time praying. And if there's something you'd like to be prayed for, can we pray for you? You're struggling with finances. You've got a health problem. You've got wayward children. You've got a marriage that's on the rocks or destroyed. You're wondering how you're going to put your life back together and wonder if God sees you. I don't care what it is. We just want to spend some time praying. And so I just want to invite you to come up to your feet. We're going to sing this song. But while we're singing this song or playing this song or whatever MJ is going to do with this song, because I forgot, because I'm old, I want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Can we pray with you? Just come on up here if you want prayer. Go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to sing this song, King of My Heart. And here's the deal. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come in here. God, I want to speak against depression. I want to speak against people that feel like there's nothing else to live for because that's wrong. God, I thank you for the man that I got to talk to right before this service started. Just ask and pray that you be with him. He just, it's your son, God, and he walked back out the doors. I believe that you want to do something in his life. But God, we live in a world where there's people all around us trying to hold it together and it's not working. And all you're asking for is our five loaves and our two fishes. Will we get up and move out of our comfort zone? So, Father, as we come before you, we just ask and pray that you meet us here, Holy Spirit. Not in sensationalism, not just here. We need you.